Okay, recording, go. G'day and welcome to the bar. It's me, Nick here, joined as always by Georgia. Hi, Nick. It's me, Georgia here. Um, <laughs> Do I sound robotic today? I was just having a bit of a brain fart there. <laughs> yeah, I found it. I was... My weekly favourite this week is a documentary I came across. I haven't watched the full thing, but I got to see probably the middle two thirds. Um, I'd actually come record this podcast, but it was Human Nature. So it's a podcast on Netflix, uh, sorry, it's a doco on Netflix. And it's all about the breakthroughs that we've had with CRISPR technology. Mm-hmm. So there's been, I'm not a biotech guy, you know, I've done science since year 12, but rem- remembering what it, what it flagged and uh, the, the sort of stuff that it talked about, it basically is the technology that, in science, it's been discovered that you can give um, this special protein, basically a little cutout of a code, and then that can be put in humans and edit or in anything and edit the, G- the DNA. So you basically give it an instruction sheet and you say, hey, edit this out, and it'll go through the organism's genetic code and change that code. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about all the developments, and it brought up all these really interesting topics that I was thinking about, about the advancement of tech and you know what is right and wrong so there are all these things that you can change in your genetic code right mm-hmm. um some of the things i'm talking about was like sickle cell anemia um you know disabilities diseases you you can change a lot of things by changing the genetic code and it was sort of talking about the ethical implications of that you know where is the line what is right you know obviously a society without disease and disability would, would be better. You know, you don't want people to be struggling, mm-hmm. but they were talking about these ideas and you know, what, what is right. It'd be good to get rid of these um, ailments, but at the same time, you're opening up the technology to say, Hey, I want to be an extra foot taller or, you know, I want to be smarter. I want to be more muscular. It's mm-hmm. the same technology. And the que- it was bringing up all these ethical issues about what's right and wrong. And right now I'm taking the subject just tech at the moment which is all about that sort of stuff. It's like, yes, okay, we can, we can make these technological advancements, but should we? Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was really interesting. That's, that is so, that's really interesting. I, Oddly serious for me, but yeah. It, it is for your favourite of the week. I'm just, I think it's such a moral and ethical grey zone that I don't know enough about at all to comment, um, but would be really interesting to know more about. Pretty cool. It's a good doco. If anyone wants to watch it, Human Nature. I haven't finished it, um, but I, it's, you know, an hour and a half. It's good stuff. Okay. Where, where can people watch it? Netflix. Okay. Human Nature. Human Nature. I'm probably going to write my Just Tech essay on it. So if anyone's doing Just Tech, I'm bagging it. It's mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, pretty cool. My favourite of the week is actually least favourite of the week, which is pretty negative. I don't mean to be a bit of a downer here, but um, last week we had no water for like a whole day. And then today uh, for about five hours this morning, we had no power, which meant we had no internet and we don't have reception really much in our house. And I think because of the no power, 
it might have been no power at the tower or something. I'm not really sure. But we all went down to one bar of 3G and just it made me realise how reliant on internet and technology and power we are. Like I couldn't charge anything. I couldn't do work. I couldn't do uni stuff. We wouldn't have been able to record this this morning. Um, it just made me rethink how what life would be like, particularly in lockdown, if we didn't have those things. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. What is happening to your area? Why is everything going down? <laughs> I don't know. There's some apocalypse happening in my neighbourhood for some reason. Um, literally have no idea. Damn. They said the power's out. Sorry, you're going to have to wait hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Well, lucky you've got that that little 3G to keep you alive and make sure everyone gets their, their podcast. Yes. Such a first world problem and thing to be complaining about. Um, but in lockdown, I mean, what are you supposed to do though? Like, I, it is a first world problem to complain about the internet being down. Not everyone has internet, but at the same time, in COVID times, it really shows that it's a utility, right? Yep. Uh, you know, I I can't imagine what a different experience it would have been if, you know, this these lockdowns didn't happen in. 2020 2021 and they happened in well you know they did happen in the 1900s but they happened before the internet right yeah you know all all these industries would really suffer it's it's crazy and you know you still don't have every industry that can um operate online Mm. um which we should be mindful of but you know it internet is a utility i don't think you should really (laughs) hate on yourself for that it's fine Well, luckily we do have the internet because we can be recording the podcast today. Um, Today we are interviewing two directors from Montgomery Advisory, which is a recruiting firm that's based out of Sydney and London and recruit lawyers at all different stages of their career. Uh, We'll be talking to Sam Gray and Andrew Rees who are going to tell us a bit about the firm and also the biggest mistakes that people can make while working at law firms and a few that they have made themselves. All yeah, right. well, let's jump in. Uh, welcome to the bar, Sam and Andrew. How are you guys? Yeah, good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Nicholas. We'll start with our first question. If you could bring anyone to the bar with a nickname or not, who would they be and why? <laughs> I come up with God. Um, so appreciating that obviously God is not, um, necessarily anybody, but, um, and I don't necessarily, um, believe in him, her or or it. Um, uh, yeah, so that, that's what I came up with. And obviously I'd I'd have them and, um, have them for a drink at, uh, Manly Wharf Bar because it's God's country. (laughs) (laughs) I I was going for something a little bit more random, um, because I've been reading a lot about, um, uh, Aboriginal history recently, mm-hmm. pre-settler and when the when the the, the settlers came, so I, I'd be quite interested to sit down with um, one of the tri- tribal elders from the Sydney Basin from when we arrived because I, I've, I've the more I uncover about it, the more it fascinates me. I just think it'd be fascinating to get a different perspective, and I, the more I read about it, the more I get a different perspective, which is which is you know making me more and more curious. So. Not something I probably would have said six months ago, but that's where I'm at now. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Is there a particular elder 
or I, I can't remember names. I don't want to get the pronunciation incorrect yeah. um, and offend anyone. So no, but you know, there is, there's, there's some more well-known um, Aboriginal leaders at the time, but I wouldn't actually pinpoint one or the other because I don't know enough about it to comment. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's actually a topic we've been talking a lot about recently. And I guess, you know, we should always be talking about, but um, in the last few episodes, there's, it's been a common theme. We've been talking about that topic. Um, Sam, could you tell us what book that was, if anyone's interested in maybe? Yeah, so I've read a couple of books. I read one, um, so it started by reading um, a book called um, Buckley's Chance. So I don't know if you've heard of that expression, you've got Buckley's and none, you heard of that expression? Uh, Yeah. So Buckley was a convict who came across from the UK, uh, I think in the second fleet. Um, And they they docked at uh, Port Port Phillip, and he escaped. And then two days later, they thought, this, this place sucks, let's move on. And they went down to Tasmania. They left him there for dead. 30 years later, they re- came back and then he just walked out of the wilderness, um, you know, with, with a bunch of Aboriginal guys, his people, and he was still alive. So the same was like the Buckley's chance. Like you got, but Buckley's a nun because he was dead, but he actually was alive. So it's like, you've got no hope basically. And he's, he, that's how that came about. But it, but it gave me an insight. Then I read, um, I read a book called uh, Dark Emu as well, mm. um, which is quite controversial. If you, if you, uh, if you read about the, the, um, the reports in that book. And then there's another book, um, uh, which I read, which name escapes me. It's just basically about the, the settlement of Australia and it starts back in the UK and in, into, into Sydney and across Australia. And I, I forget the name of it. Um, It'll come to me. I'll get back to you on that one. Um, yeah. So anyway, that, that's the, the books I've been reading. But it, it, it got me thinking about it all and, and um, perspective and what I learned at school and what Andrew would have learned at school. I'm not sure how, what you guys are taught, but it's all very sort of just smoothed over quite quickly and there's not much info and probably deliberately so from historically. But now I find people are more curious, you know, than they used to be. So Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm taking a subject at the moment called Indigenous people in the law here at UTS. And we're discussing these issues and every week we're going through a different sort of connection between Australian history and, you know, the Indigenous peoples. And um, definitely it's something that's been talked about by a lot of authors, which is kind of this idea that you're presented information and you kind of are like very vaguely aware of ideas, but until you reread them or they're put to you in quite like a frank way, you both know it and you don't know it at the same time because it's, it's sort of been smoothed over, like you said. And I feel like some that sort of stuff happened nowadays, which is cool. Yeah. I think it's good that like the older generation is starting to take note of it. Cause I feel like, as you said, when you're younger, you don't understand the impact and, and you don't have an understanding of what went on. But when you, when you reflect and when you've got more life experience, the more people that talk about it, the better, you know? Um, so anyway, that, that's my interest at the moment. And that's why I would, I would, that's why, you know, I, I, I don't have a name of who I take to the bar, but I take somebody from, from back in 1788 or earlier, or earlier perhaps. Yeah. Andrew, do we, uh, can we get any more reasons as to why you'd take God to the bar? Or, yeah. uh, to be honest, it was just, I was trying to think of something that Sam said his was random. I think mine's probably more random. And um, I, I was going to come up with something like Elon Musk or, or something that is... Um, a bit more sort of, I guess, uh, present and topical, you know, obviously being quite philosophical about it, like, you know, um, I'm always trying to work out what's going on. And um, yeah, I think uh, that person 
or it would be um, obviously how to divulge. Yeah, it was a topic brought up by our guest last week um, who was saying, wouldn't it be funny if we had all the guests in one big room? And now we had, you know, some lecturers, parents, Hamish Blake, God, uh, one of the indigenous leaders, like <laughs> it's a real ragtag group. It'd be crazy after a while, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like, um, what's the show I'm watching at the moment? Um, uh, I find it because it's, Brings random people together, but that just nine strangers. Work. Yeah, nine strangers. Yeah, is it good? Oh, that's Nicole yeah, Kidman, isn't it? It's good. Cool. Say again, sorry. That's Nicole Kidman's new show, is it? Correct. Yes, that's the Leanne Moriarty, another one of their her books. I, I take it as, um, but it's um, yeah, it's definitely something you should look into. But um, yeah, essentially, it's bring nine random people together, but I guess not so random because they're brought together for the specific reason that they all sort of had something connection, some sort of connection. So, um, yeah. A bit like a yoga retreat, is it? <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's definitely a retreat. So yeah. So. so today we wanted to talk about the classic mistakes that lawyers make. Um, G and I threw a few of ours <laughs> into the pod world a few weeks ago and I've, I've still got a lot more up my sleeve, but um, what, when you guys think of the classic mistakes, what do you guys think of? how you look at it but i mean i can think of mistakes i made as a lawyer <laughs> like spelling your partner's name wrong in your first letter <laughs> oh, no <laughs> and watching him cross out an r darren has uh, one r not two um and watching him cross the r out and look at you like who is this bloke um day one um when you get a piece of work at 5 p.m on a friday don't tell your boss you're off to the pub and you'll do it on monday get get it done Again, these are my mistakes. Um, yeah, it's quite funny. Actually, actually my career was pretty short. Um, <laughs> when you're when you're when you're interviewing, make sure it's clear that you're joking. If you're going to tell a joke, um, mm. I was telling you before we had someone interview um, last week, and he he was asked what the partner would say about him, and I think he, he said something along the lines of, um, "Yeah, I'm not a good lawyer, and I'm a bit socially awkward," and and I tend to agree with that. <laughs> dead, deadpan deadpan and it was on vc and then he just moved on to the next topic now like was that was that a joke and then um they called me up and goes oh we're not going to pro progress to that guy he got he said he'd give it get a really bad reference from his partner but he was joking and mm. he he really wanted the job and he completely stuffed it so you know probably if you're going to tell a joke make sure you say i'm joking reese is really good at that he tells jokes and offend somebody and then goes oh i was joking <laughs> Does that not pull from it? Hey, does that not take from the joke a little bit? What's oh. that? Which part? Say it would, you know, it, would no, it would, but in the interview, in the interview context, but, yeah. you want to be clear. It's a joke. If it's not clear, it's a joke. Don't say it. You know. Um, yeah. That's the hard thing about a dead a, a deadpan delivery. You really oh, can pull it off, okay. and it's not easy over video call. Terrible idea. It's, yeah. it's almost as bad as a text. <laughs> a deadpan text. Uh, and uh, I, I think we're, we're talking about erring on, on the side of caution. Um, the general law when you interview is that you just don't make jokes. That's um, so the interview prep that Sam didn't provide. Um, no, I told him to make jokes. He's funny. Oh, I should make jokes. Oh no, it's no, no. We we'll have to talk about this. Rule, rule number one: never make a joke in interview. Ah, see, I, I disagree. But I, you know, I'm, I'm worried. But yeah, Andy's probably right. Don't make jokes. Really. But isn't yeah, there a I cultural? Do. I, I, I do. I think you should build rapport, but 
If you've got a joke, I always tell my parents, if there's an opportunity to say a joke, say it. But, you know, be very careful. Be mindful of your audience. And, and, and if you're not funny, maybe don't go there. <laughs> well, exactly. So, yeah, sorry, G. I've been pretty successful with a joke in, in an interview, but I think you've got to pick up on the vibe of the other side. So if they're being friendly and jokey, you, I will return that. But if they're deadpan, there's no way. Yeah. So I, I would definitely, yeah, my advice, just don't do it. <laughs> I mean, I, I got rejected once because I made a joke about, uh, as I was walking to the lift after the interview, <laughs> there was a statue in the, uh, in the reception and I made a joke about something about how bad the statue was. <laughs> I didn't know that the partner was like, it was his partner's personal statue. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> from his collection and safe to say I didn't get a call back so Reese is right when in doubt don't say that um, <laughs> made by his mother <laughs> made by his mother but I didn't know that until later um, obviously yeah but, uh, so yeah look, there's, 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 read the room is the message there I reckon read the room other, other, other mistakes in thinking about myself again was um, I had a task to do, which I thought I could just do the next day. But um, as I was leaving the office, I got a call from the special counsel saying, where are you going? So I guess you got to make sure when you're, even with what we do, any sort of professional um, role, you've got to communicate effectively and make sure that you you know what the task is and when it needs to be done by. And all the basics, but, um, you know, um, communication, is, I guess, is, is, a, is a critical thing. And, and definitely build rapport with the, the secretaries and the admin staff. The, the arrogant, um, there was another guy actually, i tell you a funny story. He was a young grad and he was, he was, he was in, there's some, some law firms have internal stairs between floors, especially the cafeterias. And he was, um, he was rushing up the stairs and then a more senior lawyer who he didn't, he didn't know was coming down the stairs and he, he bumped into her and she spilled his coffee on his, on his um, pants and he went he went off at her um and then demanded that she um, pays for his, his um dry cleaning and then uh the next day uh he realized that she's the superior uh, senior associate in the team who just joined who just joined from the uk and uh wow. she was like she made it they, they ended up becoming friends in the end funnily enough but but you know no just yeah, keep mind your P's and Q's and, and show a bit of respect. Um, some people, when they're graduates, get a bit ahead of themselves, I feel, because they feel like they've made it. But becoming a grad of the major law firm is like becoming going to year seven in high school, you know? You're a nobody. Um, and, you, and you quickly realise that. If you, don't, if you don't already, you realise that. Yeah, so there's a lot of arrogance, which often gets stamped out pretty quickly in a law firm. <laughs> yeah, I've heard lots of stories about people missing out on grad roles or clerkship roles are being sacked pretty early on for being rude to other people and not realizing. Well, yeah. grads are a dime a dozen. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah, there's what in Sydney, in New South Wales, you got New South, Sydney, UTS, Macquarie, Western Sydney, Wollongong, Newcastle, UNE. Um, ANU, you know, it goes on and on. So it's, it's, it's competitive. And if you, um, it's a pill to swallow to realize you're not that special. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But you are, but you're not that special. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you guys if when you're helping um, young students or, or people trying to get into their career, is that something that Montgomery does a lot of research around as to, you know, the cultures of these firms and the type of environment that those people might be going into? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
in our jobs, obviously dealing with lawyers from different firms and um, different companies as well, um, all the time. So you, you tend to get a, a good feel about that. So you can't obviously take one one person's word for for what the culture is like. And um, uh, what you also find is that um, you can't necessarily tarnish your whole firm due to one partner either. So. Um, yeah, um, we, we definitely research that and, and have, a, have a fairly fairly accurate understanding for, for the cultures. Um, but once again, I just yeah, wanted to highlight the fact that everyone's experience is different. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But, well, but, but where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, so me and Andrew have been doing recruitment for 16 years. When we, the, the first three years, we didn't know a whole lot, if I'm honest with you, about much. And and now, um, you know, you you, you, you come you, you encounter enough people. Often, you know, there's there's enough stories that are similar similar results. Then you can probably say that's true. But um, you know, we're we're pretty good on cultures and who's good and who's not. And also, like we we collect data about like what firms offer. You know, what's all their policies? Um, what are the perks? Who are, who are the good partners who are not so we, we we're pretty good with that sort of info um but we try we try not to generalize because as andrew said some one person's experience is not always accurate um reflection of, of, of the of the law firm or even the partner so montgomery advisory you obviously do recruiting um for legal do you do it at all levels or are you just headhunters so can university students get recruited through you you, you can um, um so we're, um, we do all levels. I, I guess the caveat is that um, we don't do a heap of graduate recruitment. We, we have been doing a um, uh, little bit more, a little bit more lately. Um, and that's just because um, a couple of firms need our help. Um, so we've been doing that. But um, typically we're, we're recruiting from sort of two years and above um, is probably where we are positioned across um, law firms and corporate Australia and, and in, you, internationally as well and yeah. interstate. We, we do a bit of, like we, we get often, we often get uni students reach out to us for advice though. And we, we've been presenting to universities like four years now um, on how to get a job if you don't get a clerkship type thing. Um, so that, that's more just what we call pro bono. <laughs> <laughs> It's all across the industry at all levels. It's, it's, it's the only word I remember from law school. I like saying it. Yeah. <laughs> it is a good word. That, that, was, that was a joke, just in case anyone didn't realize that. <laughs> um, well, one, one thing that you guys alluded to earlier was, you know, maybe you could call it coaching, right? You, you were talking about how you were talking to the potential candidate who was going to interview. One, that sounds like an amazing service. I think anytime I've interviewed all I've needed is someone that I can talk to and be like, is this cool? Do I make a joke or not? Um, like, no, what's some advice? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll qualify uh, that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what advice would you guys give to students uh, who are interviewing, either nearing the end of the degree or maybe, you know, partway through looking for their first legal job? Sam? Yeah, well, I think, I think the, um, the, the, the number one thing is to be enthusiastic and, and display a desire to be there. Do you know what I mean? Um, if you're coming in a bit arrogant or, you know, or, or you're the sort of person that doesn't communicate very well, you've got to sort of really get into the zone to, to come across that way. So I think if you don't have that, you, you know, you, you ruled out straight away. Um, 
you know, at, at the, especially at the graduate level, not so much when you've got experience, they want to talk about your experience. We know that when you're at the graduate paralegal level, you don't have anything to talk about work-wise um, really. So it's about how much they look at, have, have you done the research? What do you know about the company? And they, they, they try and test you on that, you know, because um, that's how they, they separate people. Um, and, and have a, you know, that you can, you can get access to these things online, but you know, all the standard interview questions that you'd expect to get about teamwork, leadership, greatest achievement, actually practice interviewing. Um, I actually, I personally feel like the graduate interviews are harder than any other interviews you go through yeah, because it's whoever prepares the most full interview gets the job. Putting aside, if you've got bad transcripts, you're not going to get interviewed in the first place. Um, and then they get the job. Now, are they going to be the best person? Probably not, but they've got to go through that process to weed everyone out. So when you've got experience, they want to talk to you about your experience. So it's very easy. I'm a, I'm a, um, obviously, you know, um, Nick's going to be an environment planning lawyer. He's just going to talk about his experience, you know, the national, the heritage act and the trees act and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, blow people away. Um, probably more on the planning side, probably, but, um, but it's, it's easier. So I think, I think that where you guys are at and where people are, where the grads are at, the more time you prep, the better you'll be and actually practice in a mirror talking you know when and, you get when you get and, more experience you can, you can say jokes you can muck around because they want to hire you anyway they don't give it they don't care what you say you'll get the job you know and um just tempering what sam said about um trying to work out putting on a different ad trying to work out what the employer wants the the big catch it though is you just don't want to seem as though you're saying what they want to hear so you got to make it you got to make it genuine you just got to be you know and, and i think that's half the trouble you you've got to somehow find a genuine, like if you're interviewing for something, you'd hope you've got a genuine interest in it and that's going to come through. So you got to yeah. be able to Don't convey be that. Don't be too honest. Like yeah. I learned that. I was asked as a grad, what's your greatest ever achievement? And I said, I don't have one. And, they said, and the lady was like, what, what do you mean? You don't have one. I said, well, I'm, I'm, have you heard of me? I'm not that great. <laughs> and I was being honest. And then, and then she goes, well, give me something. So I made some story up of how I climbed a mountain when I was sick. But it was, um, I, I just feel like you've you got to play the game. Don't, like, if, if you've got, you got to let them hear, you've got to give them something that they want to hear. Like, so it is a fine balance. You can't be too keen. You can't, you can't do what I did. And, and be uh, too honest. Yeah, I think that, that's right. So it is uh, that sort of balancing act, making sure that you aren't too honest uh, in that respect. But um uh, but you, you do want to you do want to be genuine um, because they they'll catch it a mile away um, and, and and yeah um, you don't want to be relaxed either you, you can't be yourself either like you, so it's a, that's what I'm saying I don't envy being a grad because when you've got experience you can actually be who you are and all they care about is what you've done when you're a grad it's about playing the game and 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 the more you practice it the better you get at it. Oh, well, talking about like. Not being too honest, a question that I always dread being asked, and I know a lot of other grads probably are, is like, what is your greatest weakness? Mm -hmm. And how do you answer that? Because they always tell you, you know, answer it with something that's not yeah. really a weakness. You can turn it into a strength. But it, I care too much. What's your answer normally? <laughs> you work, you work I've got NRF one which is kind of genuine. Yeah, what's yours, Nick? Mine's something to the effect of which I think is a, and I try and word it as best I can. But what too I think is a corporate a, fat cat. Are you too much of a corporate fat cat? Is that what you <laughs> Yes. So, um, but like, what is probably a genuine weakness of mine is maybe you know tasks with no deadline, 
might run on forever. I need, I need a deadline to give me a bit of fire behind me and, you know, I'll deliver it if you give me the deadline. But oftentimes in situations where things are a bit more open-ended, I might put it on the back burner or, you know, I'll, I'll take my time with it. And then <clears throat> I haven't figured it out, but I would, I would answer that in some sort of, I'd do my best to answer that in a way that doesn't sound bad. Like maybe I'd, what you, I like what, to what you do, time. what you do Nick is you would say that you, you feel as though you, you've had experience where if you're not set a deadline, then it sort of can just be the no being no end date sort of thing. So what you've learned to do is make sure that you do set yourself deadlines. So you kind of flip around there. So that's, mm. that's what I'd be saying. Yeah, the, ne the negative question is all about turning into a positive. So you start off, this is what I used to do. Now look at me now. You know what I mean? mm. I'm amazing. Mm. Have, you heard, have you heard of me? <laughs> I'm great. You know who I am? If I was being but honest. Be humble, but be humble, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if I was being honest, probably what Nick said is what I would actually say. I'm saying I work well with a deadline and without it, things can drag on. But I used to say that I didn't, wasn't good at like public speaking or communicating well. And then I'd usually talk about, oh, we're getting shaking heads. That's a bad one. <laughs> well, that, that they want people to be able to do that as a lawyer. So you probably wouldn't say that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then you could flip it and then you talk was about- Was that a joke? Was that a joke? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty deadpan, I liked it. <laughs> oh, I saw the shaking hands. <laughs> well, then I usually talk about how we started mooting and then we do a podcast. So we're, I'm good at it that now. Well, you can flip it around, yeah. Or, or you could say, I, you know, I, I, I don't know how to say no. I say yes to everything and I, I always get to take on too much work and then I've got to sort of somehow, you know, work crazy hours to get it done. And then I, I learn the lesson. Sometimes it's okay to say no and, or communicate, hey, I've got five things on. Give me a couple of days and I'll get back to you. Um, that's another one because it shows that you, you just got crazy work ethic, but, you know, you haven't learned how to say no yet. So that's a good foundation because it's better than the person who says no to everything. Um, so it's a kind of a weakness that is a positive. So, or, you know, if I get, if I get obsessed by something, I spend too much time to my own detriment of my health and I've learned to get balance. So again, it shows you've got a foundation of a strong work ethic, which is what they want really. They just want someone who's going to work hard basically. And, and it's also, they're also testing um, whether you have good self-awareness as well. So um, they can probably, like if Nick went with the whole deadline thing, then they could probably work with you around, okay, well, this is, this is his weakness. We can we can work with that. We'll set him deadlines. Yeah, um, you know what I mean. So um, it's also yeah, she's used to that on that basis as well. That question. Yeah, you wouldn't want to say I'm late because then that's just bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm late. I really struggle with attention detail. Like I just I just can't get it right. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but we've had, we've had people like even more senior people. We've had people turn up to interviews and they've been asked why are you there? And they said, Oh, cause Sam, Sam told me to come. Didn't you? <laughs> and afterwards I'm like, I coached you for an hour. We struggle with, we would, a lot of time we assume, assume that's something you just don't do. You never assume things. Right. And we, we assume that X, Y, Z, uh, Joe blogs is, is a given fine. He's a senior person. He'll know all the basics in terms of interviewing, but then you realize, okay, well, hang on. It's only the feedback is that he's only focused on, that interview and hasn't given any eye contact to, to players. Like, what? How, how does he not know that? <laughs> so, mm. Mm. Um, so it's looking at all the basics, making sure you got all the basics down pat, and then yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's weird interviewing because it's not a skill that you develop, even if you're a senior lawyer who's smashed it right mm. in your career. 
unless you're interviewing a lot, it's not something that goes hand in hand with actually being a good candidate. Weirdly, it's no, it's like no. a separate. Well, yeah, but I, I feel like I feel like if you when you've got experience, you're interviewing all the time. See, mm. what people don't understand about lawyers is they're actually traveling salespeople. You know what I mean? So they get they're selling their professional service all the time. So you're always on show. You go to a client meeting. There's a pitch there somewhere. You've got a, you've got something you want to talk about. So that unbeknown to them, they're often interviewing, auditioning, pitching, whatever you want to call it, all the time. So when they when they come to us, when they're three four years out, they they always go, I'm feeling really nervous having interviewed since I was a clerk. I'm like, let's just think about what you do day to day. You go to court in front of a judge, and you're worried about what someone's going to think of you. And then they think about it and they're like, oh yeah, you're right. And then they can relax and they realize they do it all the time. But um, unless they haven't won a case, they haven't, if they haven't won a case, they're probably not doing it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, some people, some people just don't have confidence naturally and they might be the best lawyer of all time and they struggle with interviews and they always will. There's those types. Um, you've got to coach the hell out of them. We, we do like, we do mock interviews with them. That works sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I had someone interview that uh, a couple of years ago now and she said, um, she was kind of weird and I was trying to like give her answers to say, but she, she did really well for most of the interview, but that, towards the end, they asked her, um, the question you hadn't <laughs> provided. Yeah, what, sort of, what sort of, what sort of environment does she look for in a law firm? And she goes, Oh, I like the temperature around like 20 degrees. And like, I like my window open with like the door open. So I get a vibe for that. And they're like, what is she talking about? We're talking about just the culture here. And the and best then, part was uh, it wasn't a joke. <laughs> I was joking. And the partners were kicking each other under the table. They were trying to laugh, you know? Yeah. So you can lead a horse to water sometimes and they're just not going to get there, you know, unfortunately. Yeah, wow. That's like a scene in, I think it's Miss Congeniality, which is one of my favourite movies, and they're interviewing, like, um, beauty queens um, on stage in one of those, in a pageant competition, that's what it's called. And they're like, what's, you know, your favourite... Um, what's your like favorite time of year or something? And she's like, oh, um, April 2nd, because it's not too warm and it's not too cold and it's beautiful. <laughs> um, so it makes me think of that. Yeah. Have, what are the worst things that you've heard of, heard people say in interviews? That would have to be one of them, the yeah. senators said. Um, but the, you know, the partners did say, they thanked me and said, thank you for that entertainment today. Cause we needed that. Oh. Yeah. I didn't oh. pass that feedback on obviously. Um, heartbreaking yeah uh, well like I don't know I mean like pretending like we with some people were they they're a bit too arrogant you know especially more senior lawyers like they they show no interest and they're trying to you know it's like they're trying to date somebody and neg them or something um, in, a, in an interview you want to show interest it's different to dating uh, necessarily um, you know that, playing hard to get Play hard to get. Don't play hard to get. Just, just be, you know. Um, so that, that that can be a bit of a pitfall. We notice some people do no prep, like, and they they try and wing it. Um, and when you're sort of, you know, whether you're a partner or to your lawyer, you got to you got to look into it because they want they want to know. They'll they'll ask you a question, especially litigation partners. They they'll ask you, what do you know about us? What cases have we worked recently? And you'd be surprised, like six, seven-year lawyers can't answer that question. You know, so, so some of the basic fundamentals they pick up when they're grads and paralegaling and they forget all that. And um, so, yeah, like, a, lot, a lot of the mistakes are just people not giving it enough attention and taking yeah. it seriously enough, I feel. Like not looking over their CV because um, they'll present a CV that's 
listed all the cases all the transactions have been on and um that, that's the the medium that the i guess the instrument the interviewer is going to be looking at to ask questions from and um if you haven't really thought about the transaction you dealt with on three years ago then you know bit take of, it off the tv bit, bit of, take bit it off yeah, I, I tell people that now. You, you know, the funny thing is when me and Reese first started Montgomery, we didn't really interview prep someone unless they obviously needed it, you know, like just couldn't even talk to us. And then one of our, our, our first ever employee, Laura Lau, came on board and within two weeks, she, she sat us down and said, what, what are you guys doing? Like, <laughs> you don't interview prep anyone. And we're like, oh, you know, the, the, we're trying to be, give people, you know, this is what you see is what you get. And she's like, no, no, no you're trying to help the candidate be the best they can be for the job. And it was like, oh yeah, you're right. So now we do it for everybody. I don't, I don't care if you're the slickest person, you think you're Harvey from Suits. We'll still interview prep. Now those guys often tell us to go away, like mm -hmm. I'm fine. But um, we do it for everyone because some people just don't have common sense. Um, what, what's that saying? Common sense isn't that common. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, well, can you tell us a little bit about what Montgomery does? Yeah, so um, obviously you've worked out that we're legal recruiters. Um, yeah. We give interview prep uh, <laughs> to our candidates. Um, but yeah, it, yeah. It, essentially, um, yeah, so we're dual head, headquartered Sydney and London, um, and we um, recruit across, uh, I guess, five, we've got five business lines. Um, so we've got what we refer to as private practice Australia. Um, so that's um, recruiting lawyers into law firms Australia-wide. Um, we've got uh, our in-house functions, so in-house being um, recruiting to legal teams within companies. Um, then we've got our support division, which is essentially shared services. So any, anything outside being a lawyer within a law firm. So HR, marketing, um, accountants, legal secretaries, um, we've got that business unit. We've got um, the UK dash international service line. So we've got um, got one guy based in the UK at the moment, but um, hopefully getting someone else on board shortly. Um, and they focus on recruiting into to London um, through using, I guess, um, as a source, Australian and Kiwi lawyers um, for the most part. Uh, and then we've got what is called Montgomery Edge, which is our um, temporary and contract solution business. So um, the firm might have someone that's gone for paternity leave. Um, so we've got a, a book of candidates that are ready to go for things like that. Special projects might be a um, yeah special project within the law firm that they need temporary help with. So we've got that as well. So yeah, five 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 business lines. And so do the candidates come to you or does the law firm come to you? How does that work? So the law firm is a funny one. Is, uh, we've got two clients, if you like. The client that pays, which is the law firm or the company, um, and then the other client being the candidate. So um, we'll get briefed by a law firm or a company on a particular role, um, and then it's our job to go and find the candidates. Um, so we'll, we'll have what is referred to as active candidates and then passive candidates. Um, that's our sourcing pool. I think we've got we've got a database now of I think close to forty thousand lawyers. So um, we can we can't be across all of them, but they're there. Yeah. Are they so, that are looking to make a job switch? 
No, that's just people we've spoken to. We, we collect lawyers, like people collect cards. You know what I mean? <laughs> you got more than 52. We, we deal in the people trading business, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, legal, the legal one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so that, well, I might, well, me and Reese, like, I, I got a call from someone the other day and she goes, do you remember, do you remember me? And I'm like, no. She goes, you met, you met me when I was a one-year lawyer, blah, blah, blah. And she's now a 10-year lawyer. So that, we've got all her details on file. I should have remembered her. It was, I probably should have said I did remember. I, I wasn't yeah. being too honest again. Mm. But um, we, we collect the details, right? So they may not be looking, but we'd still call them just to check in and go, hey, how, how's your job? Do you know anybody? What do you think about this firm? Have you got any feedback? Because like, sometimes they give us intel about a, a partner, perhaps, or a client that we don't know about. Because when you meet with a partner or a client, they'll tell you what you want to hear and they'll sell. They'll come across... You know, it, it, the sociopaths are great, right? They they charm you. Um, we know who they are now, you know, but you learn from experience. But sometimes you get intel from networking. So we spend a lot of our time just on the phone speaking to people, whether they're looking or not, because you get information. Um, people do apply for jobs, but less so these days. Yeah. So we, we mainly rely on our network. Have you ever said no to taking on finding someone for a team or a firm because you yep. don't? Think that they're a good fit. Good yeah, person. All, all time, yeah. Yeah. If we don't like a partner, we'll tell the firm we're not recruiting for that partner. So, or, or and, and they, they like they know they like yeah, fair enough. If they candidates come, come across the wrong way to us, then we've certainly said sorry, I can't help you. So um, yeah, some candidates just lie, and like, we don't have time for that. We'll just see you later, mate. I don't really care. Um, Do you feel like you're good people readers now? Yeah, straight through. Yeah. You're both nice people, you two. <laughs> I think. <laughs> You're oiling us up to get on the books with the other Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, it's funny because we've hired, we've hired, we hired somebody, remember Risi, who showed around Amos, but we were, we were split on the hiring decision for our own business. And it turns out we, there was a reason for that. But we now... I was so, not, by the way. He was a no. Was, and you were right? I was a maybe. No, I was a yes. I was a yes. But um, he was right. But but we we you got to go with your gut with people. I feel mm. um, I I sometimes guilty of giving giving people the benefit of the doubt. You know, and, and I see the good in a lot of people. But your gut or your gut, my gut did. There was a sense there, and I didn't listen to it. So I feel like you you get really good at um speaking to people. And, and but the only problem with being a recruiter is because you ask all these personal questions in your personal life, you start asking inappropriate questions. You know? <laughs> How much do you pay for that house? What do you what do you make for what do you what do you, how much do you make? <laughs> some some of my friends were getting really awkward. They're like, "What do you, you can't ask me that?" Like, well, I was asking someone's wife the other day how much she made, and I know because my, my mate told me, but he, she wouldn't tell me. And I, and I thought like, you can't ask. I forget you can't ask those questions. So you become a bit personal. And when I when I was single back in the day, being a recruiter, it's like dating. You got an hour with someone, you got to get to know them. So it was actually kind of good for the dating scene. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the love edition the, the love yeah, episode that's the of love the edition, yeah, yeah. Love Island. <laughs> we need an island quick an island. <laughs> get me to it i love that get me out of lockdown to an island now yeah. we'll answer all your personal questions yeah, yeah. I, I had a question that came to mind when you were talking about you know fitting people into firms what would you say is probably the biggest factor as to whether a candidate has like a good experience with the firm that they end up joining Andrew? Uh, what do you, sorry, can you clarify? Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, if you were to 
um, help a lawyer join a firm, yeah. what do you find is the most common like factor about the firm that helps make sure that people enjoy their time at the firm? Is it, is it the culture that they're looking for? Is it the type of work that they like doing? Yeah, it's co com combination. So, okay. um, yeah, that's our job to sort of ask the right questions to get a feel for exactly what they are looking for. Um, and, um, yeah, so it's, it's asking those questions around, you know, what sort of temperature they like in the office and, um, <laughs> uh, you know, what, what they want to work on and, you know, where they see their career going. Um, do they want um, a partner that's you've got access to every day or they happen to be, work autonomously? You know, all those sorts of questions. Um, and I think I think actually one one benefit of using a one of the benefits of using a recruiter is we can tailor the approach, and also we can word up the interviewers what this person's after. You know, sometimes common feedback we get from lawyers is when they apply directly, they never hear back, or they interview and get no feedback, and that's it. You know, um, that creates a bad impression. You know, or or a partner hasn't read the CV and appears completely understood in, in being there you know so we try and educate law firms that you know it's a two-way process like they're judging you as, as, as you're judging them so uh, and candidates have a, especially now maybe not grads but anyone with two or even 18 months experience at the moment is a hot commodity and if you're not rolling out the right people and and um being engaged you're not going to get you're not going to get the candidate and acting quickly and acting quickly yeah i guess another sorry no just another awkward thing to talk about i guess in interviews or something i find awkward and shouldn't be is talking about compensation so like negotiating that and how much you should be getting that's why you use a recruiter you see because yep. we do it for you Okay. I always tell lawyers, don't talk about salary, let us do that. Because no one wants to talk about their salary. And, and you don't want to lowball yourself or, you know, I use the term the ZOPA, the zone of possible agreement, which VC loves. <laughs> you, um, you, don't, you don't want to be out of that zone. So if, if you're like, I, 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 meet, I met like a three-year lawyer who told me the other day they, they were worth 180K. And I'm like, who told you that? Like, what, are you, what are you talking about? And then, and then we, I, we, we, had a, we couldn't agree. And I said, well, I can't represent you. Good luck to you. You know, I can't deal with someone who's just off of the pixies. So it's a dangerous conversation to have if you get the number wrong at the start. Because if you go too low, they'll be like, bang, I've got them. We'll get them cheap. If you go too high, they're like, this person's, you know, doesn't have much common sense. So I think the best, if you're doing it directly, uh, then your best response is um, obviously not making that the, the main focus of why you're there. So it's saying that's, that's not your main driver. Um, however, you are keen to be getting... Um, market rate, market rate. Yeah. and then and, and just say uh, perhaps, perhaps we can discuss that over email you know just oh, wow. deflecting basically um, yeah, never never answer that question yeah wow because... that's a really good that's a really good suggestion i've never thought of to, you know don't talk about it that day yeah you never answer the question because your answer is invariably going to get you in hot water one way or yeah other. yeah there never seems yeah. to be the right thing to say that is not and they look at you they, like, should, they shouldn't ask you the question really mm. I was looking at an application process recently and it had, that was one of the questions. It was like, can you work in Australia? Answer this question that's relevant to the role. And then what's your expected salary? And you had to give an answer. Mm. Well, then, in that case, you should be um, 
bringing us or looking at, you know, doing as much market research as you can to try and figure, yeah. work out what, what makes sense. Um, you don't, you, so, yeah. you don't want to put the, you don't want to rule yourself out of a job because you put the wrong number down. It's a bit of an unfair question, I feel. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't if, work there. If, Doesn't sound like a good place. Really? Yeah, no jokes. I guess uh, I'll wrap it up there. Thanks for coming on, Andrew and Sam. It's been great to chat. Have some more career advice and things to think about. Um, no, pleasure. Thanks for having us, guys. It's been yeah, fun. Thanks, guys. Yeah. All the best with your career. Thanks. Thank you. Hopefully, no more career crises in the next year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been Georgia. And I've been Nick. And we'll see you next time at the bar. Bye.